0: Dr. Luis Sandoval is accomplished in the fields of mental health and spiritual warfare. A medical doctor, board certified in neurology, psychiatry, and family medicine, he is also a psychiatrist for the Roman Catholic Diocese of Orange, Ministry of Healing, and Deliverance. Now Dr. Luis Sandoval. All right, well welcome to Virgin Most Powerful Radio. You're listening to the Dr. Luis Sandoval Show here. Always a pleasure to have you on the show. Always enjoy talking to our listeners here for some good Catholic content. Um, today, let's, why don't we start off with the Angelus like we normally do. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. The angel of the Lord declared unto Mary, and she conceived of the Holy Spirit. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Behold the handmaid of the Lord, be it done unto me according to thy word. Pray for us, O Holy Mother of God, that we may be made worthy of the promises of Christ. Let us pray. Pour forth, we beseech thee, O Lord, thy grace into our hearts, that we, to whom the incarnation of Christ thy Son was made known by the message of an angel, may by his passion and cross be brought to the glory of his resurrection through the same Christ our Lord. Amen. St. Michael the Archangel, defend us in battle. Be our protection against the wickedness and snares of the devil. May God rebuke him, we humbly pray, and do thou, O Prince of the heavenly host, by the power of God, cast into hell Satan and all the evil spirits who prowl around the world seeking the ruin of souls amen in the name of the father and of the son and of the holy spirit amen for fear not for i am with you be not dismayed for i am your god i will strengthen you i will help you i will uphold you with my righteous right hand that verse comes from isaiah forty one ten chapter forty one verse ten I like that verse because in today's show we're going to be talking about god 's time and versus our time, and what does that mean for us in terms of our of our health right of our spiritual health, our mental health uh, and our bodily health it's interesting you know this topic came up for me because sometimes in life things change at the last moment uh, we think we have a trajectory that we're going on, we think that we know what our plan is, and all of a sudden you know things change and, and we, you know, our lives go in a whole different direction and a direction that we didn't see coming. What's that old saying? They say, uh, tell God your plans and, and God's going to laugh, right? Because really it all comes down to God's time. You know, the reason that this topic came up, um, <clears throat> was because, uh, I was talking to my wife about different things and she says, you know, when we pray, uh, we're always, we want God to answer our prayers. Uh, and she said, but if we start to stop to think about, what it means about God and the fact that God is, God just always is around us. God, God is always happening. Um, God is always answering our prayers. There's there's no question about that. The difference is, she says, you know, we just don't see it all the time because we wait until we ask for something and then we hope that he answers. And then all of a sudden, you know, oh gosh, I need this to happen in my life. So I better pray. I better pray, and and, uh, and then I need to, this to get done. But she said, you know, we act like God's not always taking care of us. Like, he's only going to take care of us if we pray, and then we're just on our own. And she made me think about a few things, you know. She made me think about uh, some of the patients I see in clinic and, and my approach to life, too. I mean, let's be honest, even before we talk about clinic, how many times nowadays are we Going online to order something, you know we were my wife and I were talking about the old days, shall we say uh, when people when we were younger and um, you had to order something from a catalog you know you had to look through the through the store catalogs that would come in the mail and you'd have to call in and check the serial number and then see if they even had it and if they didn't have it, then they might direct you to call to another store and then you might call to a store across town depending on how badly you needed whatever it is you were looking for um, you know you might call a store a, a store across town and, and drive uh, many miles to see if they got it and hope that they would hold it for you. Because sometimes they would say, well, we have it here, but we're not going to hold it for you. Um, you know, you better come over first, come first serve. And so it was a very, very different time. And nowadays when we're, when we're shopping for something, we just go online, uh, go on a different website and I say, Hey, I can get it today. I can get it tomorrow. I can get it, you know, and online and then this wonderful technology that we have, which can actually serve for a lot of good. I can compare a whole di- a lot of different stores at the same time. I can see who has it, who doesn't have it. I don't have to wait for them to hold it for me because if they have it, by golly, I can just order it right there and, and purchase it. I might have to go pick it up anyway, or it'll be delivered. But either way, it's very quick. You know, we're we're in a society of now. We're in a society of this is what I need right, right now. And, um, and that can be challenging. You know, that can be challenging when we start to think of God in the same way. You know, I think sometimes we access God as though he were an internet because we, you know, we say, gosh, you can find everything on the internet. The internet's kind of like its own mini electronic God, if you will, with a lowercase G of course. Um, and you know, we, we, everything's on the internet. That's our portal. That's our portal to life. Imagine for a moment saying you don't have Wi-Fi at home. You don't have you don't have access to the internet. Now you can't look something up on the computer. You have to go to the library. I think we wouldn't know what to do after a while. We, you know, we are so used to it and it's not bad. It's very convenient. It's very, very convenient. Unfortunately, I think that sometimes that will translate into, gosh, God's kind of like my internet. I just need to access God. He's always there. I'm going to, I'm going to log on to God, which means I'm going to pray and I'm going to, you know, check the different websites that I need uh, for God to take care of me on. And I want the answer now. I want it to be delivered now and I want free shipping. That's for sure. Boy, if something's not free shipping, I'm going to go to the next store, right? It might even, might even be the same price, but something about that free shipping, Um, and that's, that's just how it goes. But when we start to pray, sometimes we start to think, God didn't answer my prayer because, you know, there was no free shipping there and and I'm waiting for it right now. That can be really, really challenging. Um, it can be challenging for a few reasons because as we get used to these modern conveniences in our lives, we think that we're planning our lives and that we are in charge and that we're in control. And sometimes it's hard to take that step back. And to say, God's in control and I'm going to be on God's time. But then if I'm going to do that and I asked and I prayed and I'm waiting for God to answer my prayer, unfortunately, in the way I think it should be answered, not in the way God's going to answer it, then comes the question of, okay, I prayed. Now what? Now what do I do with this time? How am I supposed to uh, approach this time now? I prayed and am I, that's it? I just Wait. I just go about my business, but, but I need, I can't move forward unless this gets answered. But that's where the the challenge of faith comes in. That's where the ultimate challenge of faith and hope comes in. Right? So if I'm praying, I'm hoping that God's going to answer my prayer. If I have a a faith, now it's a matter of patience. Now it's a matter of, I can't have this happen right now here today. You know, I'm going to have to wait until God decides. And I have to trust that God is going to do it. Uh, on his time, and it's going to be the right time. You know, I remember a song, a uh, really uh, great country song, it was called Unanswered Prayers. I think it was uh, Garth Brooks who sang it. But either way, I believe the song goes something about, you know, he's older, and if I recall correctly, he goes back to his high school reunion. Don't trust me on this, but he sees his old sweetheart, um, who he used to be at the time when they were dating, praying that they got married and that they would have a life together. And, uh, all of a sudden, you know, we, we, we're, he's seeing life now in retrospect because now he's married to someone else. So we obviously don't know the trajectory of what happened. We can always surmise. We can uh, interpret and, and imagine that from high school until now, he's he's got a different wife from whoever he was dating before. He's got children. He's got a whole different family. But he goes back there and he sees uh, his old sweetheart, the person he thought was going to be the one, the person he thought that was he was, was going to be the person he could not live without. Um, and all of a sudden you know, he's looking at life from, wow, that's the person I wanted to be with forever. And now I have a whole different life. And then he's saying, thank you, God, for not answering my prayer. I think that that's one of the most powerful prayers that we can have when we're waiting for something. The way that we can really show our faith and trust in God is saying, God, you know, um, this is what I'm praying for. This is what I really want because I see things a certain way because I'm looking at this and I know what my plans are. And I think that, If I have enough faith, I'm going to throw that out there. And hopefully God will come back and say, you know, I know what your plans are. I know what you're seeing because I know all. So I see what you're seeing, but you're not seeing what I'm seeing. And hopefully we can incorporate that into our own prayer where I say, God, I just don't see what you're seeing though. So this is what I'm going to throw out there, but you do what's best for me. And I'm just going to sit here and let life happen. I'm going to be in charge as much as I can. I'm going to go through life and make the choices that hopefully will lead me towards you. And this is what I'm going to plan for. But I think I have to be humble enough to say, I'm going to let the winds of God guide me as I go through life and see what happens. This is where I'm at right now. This is what's happening. And this is where God needs me. And this is where I need to take care of things. Um, And if God answers the prayers the way I see it happening, great. You know, our wills were aligned. My will's in, in, in line with God. What better? But if things aren't happening the way it's happening, God's will is still happening. That's what, that's one of the things that my wife was telling me. She's all, like, you know, God is still happening. It's like his will is still happening. It's, it's, and if we're going to say, I'm going to follow God's will, then by golly, I better be able to take that step back and not necessarily expect, Hey, this prayer is going to be answered by tomorrow on my doorstep, right? There's going to be a knock on my door and gosh, I don't even want to have to have a signature. I want it to just show up let's listen to this verse. It's from Philippians 4, uh, 6 to 7. It says, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Jesus Christ. I like that. You know, let your beque- request be known to God. It's not saying don't pray to God. It's not saying, you know, don't let God know even your most intimate of desires. Um, but the first thing it says is do not be anxious about anything. And that's where, you know, that's where it comes. And when we're going to talk down a little bit more in the show about a few clinic uh, 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 cases, a few examples, where really when we don't trust in God, it really does lead to anxiety because we start taking our own reins and we start thinking that this has got to be done the way I'm doing it. And that can be really, really challenging, extremely challenging. Um, so, it's things to consider like that you know where am i in my life with that am i allowing god to guide my life or am i trying to guide god you know where is my will you know when we come back from the show or from the break we're gonna uh talk about a few cases where you know we really gotta look at god's time or it might lead us down a rabbit hole of anxiety that doesn't even make sense more when we come back from the break All right, welcome back to Dr. Louis Sandoval Show here on Virgin Most Powerful Radio. As always, it's a pleasure to have you. Today, we're talking about God's time versus our time. And why is this an important topic? Really, more than anything else, it's because once we start focusing on our time and we start trying to do things our way, it's easy to forget about God. It's easy to forget about um, the idea that God is taking care of us. And then all of a sudden, something happens in our lives, something brings us down. And boy, we want God right there. You know, all of a sudden it's like, oh, you know, this isn't going well. I better pray. Better get God in my life right now or I don't know what's going to happen. And that can be a really, really challenging uh, position to be in for us emotionally, mentally, and spiritually because we start to, to shortchange God, as we say. You know, we forget that God is always happening. We're always supposed to be attuned to God. And this happens. You know, we get so busy in our everyday lives. We get so busy uh, running around trying to take care of what we need to take care of. There's no question that we have duties and that we have uh, obligations in this world that need to be tended to. And it can be very hard sometimes to really say, you know, before I do any of my things for the day, I'm going to focus on God. I'm going to take that time and say, God's in charge and not me. Why? Why is that so hard sometimes? Well, because I got to say, I got to put food on the table. I got to get to work you know, I've got that responsibility. If that doesn't happen, if I just all of a sudden one day say, "Ah, I'm not going to go to work, I'm just going to let God put food on my table. Well, that wouldn't be responsible either. God's telling us, Hey, you got to be realistic, but why don't you take me to work? Why am I not driving in the, in the passenger seat, in the driver's seat, in the vehicle with you? Are you thinking about me as you're driving? Are you asking me for what you need? Do you not think that I can take care of you? Even when you're not in trouble, even when you're not in dire straits, um, you know, a lot of times we pray that way. Um, just when, when we need something or when something's not going our way, the other thing that can happen is let's go the other route where we're praying for something, praying for something. And then all of a sudden it's not happening. And you know what, God, I prayed for this. You didn't do it. You didn't give me what I wanted. I'm going to make it happen. I'm going to make it happen my way. Uh, and that can be really, really challenging. Uh, I have patients who, who have struggled with that, um, because they go about things their own way. Uh, and, and all of a sudden it's just not right. So let's talk about a patient case here. This was a young gal. Um, uh, it was a little bit of a challenging case because, um, so many things happen in her life, you know? So this is a patient I, <clears throat> it's from a while ago, but it came to mind as, as we were talking, uh, as I was talking to my wife and it just kind of came to mind. She was telling me, you know, God's always working with us. So I was counseling this patient for anxiety, and she she did suffer from anxiety. It was overall well-controlled. She was taking a very low dose of medication. She was in her early 20s, um, and she was dating this, this young guy. Um, and they had come in together one time, and I met the guy, and I thought, oh, something's just off about this relationship. It didn't feel like the relationship was going to go where it needed. You know, she was, let's, let's just say she was around 24, 25. She had gone to college. she had got her biology degree. She was working in a lab. She had a steady job, you know, she was doing okay. Um, and this guy, he was just kind of working odd jobs. He was trying to make it through life. And it sounds like she was really supporting the relationship there. Uh, they weren't married. They were living together. Um, but they weren't married, uh, by the church. And I'm honestly, I'm not even sure if they were Catholic, uh, but that didn't come up in our therapy sessions necessarily. Um, but she was, you know, she wanted to date this guy. And, and so I met him one time, she brought him in because they had some questions about their relationship and okay. So we talked and after the the meeting, you know, the next time that I met her, she's like, Oh, what do you think? He's a great guy, huh? Like, you know, I, th- I think he's the one I'm in love with him. I'm going to marry this guy. And so I just kind of take a step back and said, okay, you know, ask her some questions. I didn't tell her not to, because, you know, this is, um, Uh, everybody's got a free will to marry whoever they want, right? You can't be pressured and and you've got to make that decision for yourself. That can be really hard on parents, uh, when they see who their kids are going to marry. And again, they're kind of looking ahead down the road. But so I started asking her some questions and I said, gosh, you think this guy's the one, huh? And she's like, I'm just so in love. And she was starry eyed. And one of the things was I started asking her, well, what do you see your life like together? You know, in the future? Well, she says, you know, he's been down on down and out on his luck and, but he's such a great guy. And, uh, he's, he's, uh, you know, trying to make ends meet and he's going to get a job, I'm sure down the road. And, you know, he's, he's just trying right now. He's doing odd jobs around the neighborhood. He's doing painting or he's fixing up stuff. You know, he's great with his hands. Um, and, but he'll, he'll find something. There wasn't anything concrete that she was telling me. It was, it was just kind of nebulous. Um, and that was a little bit challenging. And I said, okay, well, you know, think about that. I said, because you've, you studied, you put your time in and, and you've got a good job. You've got a good career for yourself. And, um, you know, do, do you ever want to have kids down the road? And she said, oh yeah, no, of course I do. No, I I definitely want to have kids. Um, and she said, and I said, but do you want him to be their dad? Oh, he's so good with kids. I saw him one time at the park playing with some kids and, uh, he was great with kids. I I loved him. You know, he was playing with those little kids and, and that, and and boy, that really made my heart melt. And I thought, oh man, he's going to be such a great dad, you know? And I said, okay, well, So you you saw him one time at the park playing with some kids for a little while, and that made him, in your mind, a great dad. Okay, so let's go with this. So we kept talking, and uh, eventually she was like, no, you know, he's the one. There's there's no question about it. I said, all right, well, just think about it. I said, you know, sometimes uh, I would recommend that, based on what you are telling me you want, I would recommend that you find uh, that he find a job soon, that he finds something that you are comfortable where that's going to be steady. Because you're also telling me that if you have kids, you might want to stay home with them. She says, Oh yeah, you know, that'd be great. I'd, I'd love to be a stay at home mom. So, okay, well, you know, think about that. Well, lo and behold, down the road, a few, you know, a few months past, a few years past, she ended up not getting pregnant. I mean, excuse me, she ended up not marrying the guy. They broke up, but she got pregnant. So, and he left her while they were pregnant. You know, there were a lot of red flags in that relationship. And from the outside looking in, you could tell, you know, this isn't, uh, I don't see this working out down the road. I can't tell you what to do with your life because you're in charge of your life. But, you know, you want to listen to, to what people are telling you. She would also tell me that her mom didn't like the guy pretty much for the same reasons that I was thinking, you know, it didn't seem like he had a career. It sounded like he was along for the ride. Um, It didn't seem like he was very responsible. He just kept doing odd jobs and supposedly he was going to get a job down the road. um, But it didn't seem like he was working towards it. He wasn't going to school. He wasn't trying to build a career. He wasn't even trying to get a certificate or anything along those lines. He was just kind of waiting for something to happen. And I think she was waiting for something to happen. I don't think she was being, um, I, I think she was being genuine in her love for him. I don't think she was, let's just say she was being a little bit naive and maybe blinded by love. And all of a sudden, you know, down the road, they're together, she gets pregnant and he gets scared. And why? Because I think he probably realized I can't do this. I don't have the responsibility. I don't have the, I have responsibilities now, but I don't have the experience and I'm not in a position to be responsible um, because I can't hold a family together. She's the one holding us together. And now what am I going to do? And he left her, you know, she fell into deep anxiety but when I look at this situation, I think it's modernity society. I don't blame her society. That's what society is telling people to do. You know, a society without God is telling people, you don't have to get married. There's no, there's no, you know, why do you need a paper to tell you that you're married? Why can't you just live together? Don't, aren't you in love? Love is what you need. You know, you're going to be in love. That's all that you need. And that's going to get you through right? That's, that's what's going to get you through. And heck, just live together. It's okay to have sex and to, and to just live together. It's pleasurable. It's going to, it's going to bind you together. Gosh, there's lots of reasons to have sex. Why, why it doesn't have to be in a marriage. You know, it's an activity. It's just, it's just fun. It's just something you do. Right. And so society's telling us you want this now. There's a reason why, you know, when the church puts out rules or puts out commandments, or when we look at the magisterium of the church, it's funny. We always say, well, what does the church say? But if we truly have faith in the church, what we're really saying is not what what does the church say. We're really asking ourselves is, what does the inspired word of God say? In other words, what is God telling us? Because if we read the gospels, we don't think that man wrote those. We think that man wrote those with the guidance of God. If we read the catechism of the church, it's kind of along the same lines, right? So we read the catechism. These aren't rules that man made up. This is things that we talk about based on how God revealed himself to us. But when it doesn't go along with my will, Hmm, Am I going to listen to it? Am I going to, you know, really be there? Am I going to, um, you know, pay attention to this all the time? You know, it's, uh, it's one of these things that I want what I want now. This poor young gal, you know, she, I say poor young gal because she ended up a single mom, um, alone, but she wanted to get married. She wanted it to happen and she wanted it to happen now, but wasn't seeing that, gosh, maybe we should take a step back and take some steps. Maybe it's not supposed to happen now. Um, it's interesting because all of a sudden, you know, down the road, she's, she's pregnant, she's single. And what does she do at that point? What, how, what happens to her? Well, she moves back into her mom's, but she starts going back to church, right? She starts going back to church because her mom was very church going. And again, I don't remember if they were Catholic or just Christian based, as they say, but, um, or which denomination they belong to. But all of a sudden she started going back to church. And that happens to us a lot, you know, and, and I think that's a good thing. I think it, it ends up being a good way. Hopefully she'll meet a nice guy. Hopefully uh, she'll, she'll meet somebody who's also faith-based. Hopefully um, she finds somebody who has a career in mind and, and, and can be with her uh, uh, and take care of her and, and her, her child as a family. Um, I know that she wasn't thinking about getting an abortion. Uh, I know that she definitely wanted to have the child, but she really she was really beating herself up. And she was really saying, how could I have been so dumb? How could I not have seen that? And I, you know, gosh, I felt for her, but it reminded her, uh, it reminded me of how we are. You know, we want to do things our way, but we don't wait for God's time all the time. You know, and we're sitting there and all of a sudden things go wrong. And what happens? Oh man, I better get back to church. I better, I'm sorry, God. You know, I really blew that. I thought I wanted that job. I went and I forced it and I got it. And now I got it and it's just a wreck, you know, or how many times do you, know, do you hear, do I hear from guys, gosh, you know, I'm married and all that, but oh, there was this one gal, she was so beautiful. And I thought, man, if I'm just, if I just get together with her one time, just one time, it doesn't matter. And then all of a sudden get together with her one time and she wants to have a relationship and you didn't tell her you were married and she shows up at your doorstep and you're like, oh man, what did I do? I ruined my whole life and my family. You know, these things happen. Why? Because we want something now and we don't always take a step back. To say, "Gosh, maybe God's not on," you know, "free delivery by tomorrow, uh, free shipping time" for a reason. Maybe we don't need that item. Maybe we need to take a step back and trust in God. How does that look? It's not always easy, because then we have to tell ourselves, "Gosh, maybe I don't know what's going on in my life, and maybe I need to trust in a different way of thinking." Let's look at this. I love this verse, Proverbs three five through six. It says, trust in the Lord God with all your heart. Pretty basic, right? We know that part. That part, we we think is, it sounds very nice and fluffy. And so, yeah, sure. Oh, trust in the Lord God with all your heart. That's wonderful. It's the next line that really gets to us, right? Because it says, trust in the Lord God with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. Hmm. And do not lean on your own understanding. That is the key right there. That's probably one of the more interesting lines because, why? Because all of a sudden I can't think the way I think. I got to realize that my rationale is probably not the right way when it comes to thinking with God, unless I put my rationale on God. So if I don't lean on my own understanding, now we can go back to the first one. Don't lean on it. It should really probably be reversed. Do not lean on your own understanding and then say, trust in the Lord God with all your heart. Because if I don't lean on my own understanding, then what? You know, sometimes we say, yeah, I'm going to follow God's will because I'm going to tell him what his will is. I'm going to trust in the Lord God with all my heart because he's going to do what I want. But then we have to realize that's not the way it goes. The next line says, in all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make straight your paths. We're going to start with this verse again when we come back from the break and we talk about trusting on God's time and not our own time and why that is actually very, very healthy for our mental, spiritual, and physical health. More when we come back from the break. All right, welcome back to Virgin Most Powerful Radio. You're listening to the Dr. Luis Sandoval Show. Today, we're talking about God's time. And why is that important to talk about? Well, really, the biggest gift God gave us while we're on this planet is time. You know, there's there's time to do things. There's time to heal. There's time to go to confession. There's time to make up for our sins. You know, God gave us a gift that he didn't even give the angels. You know, the angels were built in a way that once they were formed, they had intimate knowledge of things about them that we did not that we don't have, but that's the way God made them. They don't have as much knowledge as God has. The only God's going to know everything, but boy, you know, the way he created angels being all spiritual beings, they just knew certain things. They just understood certain things. Um, And that makes it so that, you know, when they made their choice, uh, they can make an instantaneous choice of God or not God. And for us, uh, it's a little bit different. God said, you know, I'm putting you on this planet. I'm putting you in the garden and you have a time you're going to have time. You're going to be in time and space, uh, different from ours, different from eternity. You're going to have an, a dimension of finalities. Um, but in that dimension of finality, you're going to have time to go back and do things. You're going to have time to make up for your sins. You're going to have time to get to know me, um, over a longer period than just an instant instantaneous. And I think that that's one of the most interesting things for us when we talk about God's time and our time, um, because we want things now. I think that wanting things now is not the worst thing in the world. It might, it might actually be a a foreshadowing. The idea of I want it now might be a foreshadowing of what it's going to be like in eternity. Eternity is an eternal now. It's just always going to be. That's why God says I am. God just is. There's no time. It just, it just is. There's an eternal now. Um, And that's pretty powerful. But while we're here on this planet, we're constrained by time and we want things over a timeline. We want things to happen now or sometimes we put things off for the future, but either way, it's a we thing. We want it so that it happens on my time. And God's time, we got to remember is an eternity. God can see everything at the same time. God knows what happened in the past. God knows what's going to happen in the future. He can see certain things. He can see all, I should say, not certain things. And we don't always see things like that. Before the break, we were talking about this verse. I think it's a very, very important verse. Again, it was Proverbs chapter 3, Uh, verses five through six, and it's trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make straight your paths. It doesn't say it's going to be easy. It obviously tells us directly that it's going to be something we don't understand, right? And I think that that's the hardest part because what is that we're always doing? We're going to school and we're trying to learn things our whole lives. We're trying to understand things. And once we understand something, we think we know it. We think we got it. And that can be um, very good because that's what we're supposed to do in our subject matter. We take a test and I want to show you how much I know. When it comes to God, the test is a little bit different. The test is prove to God how much you don't know. Prove to God that you that what you do know is that he knows and that you might not know. That's a little bit harder, right? The test is different. Normally, the test we take, we want to, we want to show our knowledge. But the test for God is, boy, I really don't know anything, God. I, I need to become your ragdoll puppet and let you guide me. And I think that that's where the ultimate humility comes in. It's kind of like our lady, uh, ultimate humility. she says, "Yes, I'll have the, the child of God. I have no idea how this is going to happen. You're telling me this is going to happen. I don't know, man.' I'm supposed to be married, but you know, if we look at the theological scholars, our Lady and Saint Joseph were not going to uh, have any relations. They weren't planning on having children. They were probably planning on getting married and, and praising God the rest of their lives. But all of a sudden God comes down and tells her, "No, you're going to have a child." And she says, "Boy." I really cannot trust on my own understanding on this one, but I got to trust you with all my heart. Okay, let's do this, God. And I have no idea what's going to happen. Little did she know she's going to be fleeing to Egypt. She's going to have the baby in a barn. She's going to have to come back to Nazareth. Her son's going to die in the most brutal of deaths to save humanity. But it was her yes to God, her humble yes to God, without any understanding of what was going to happen, and just saying, hey, I'm going to jump off this cliff without a parachute, but I trust that God's going to, let me land softly, and that's the ultimate faith in God. That's where we're really in God's time, you know. Um, and before anybody says I said to jump off a cliff, it was just a, a metaphor, it was just a, an example. Don't jump off of any cliffs. Um, but you know, when it comes to God, why is this important for us in, in terms of health when you come to the clinic? Because a lot of times we rely on our therapists, on our psychiatrists, and it's true, you know, you come to me, hey, I'm going to rely on what I know. I'm going to rely on what i studied i'm going to rely on the medication that i'm going to prescribe to you because i know that this medication is going to work um, i'm going to rely on um you know all these different things that i had to build an intellectual acumen if you will but at the same time um you know at the end of the day i can give you the best medication in the world but if you don't believe it's going to work if you don't have faith in it if you're it's not going to work we talk about this all the time as doctors we we taught you know in many ways we're doing science but well, we say if the patient doesn't have faith in the medication, it doesn't matter what medication you give them, it's not going to work. It's no different than when Jesus was trying to heal people and, and they said Jesus couldn't perform miracles because they didn't have faith in him. That's really what God's time is. It's, it's saying, I'm going to have faith in you, God, and I'm not going to build on my anxieties. Let's look at first Peter chapter five verse seven, casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. I like that. Because sometimes we think, you know, when we're anxious, when we're in down and out, God doesn't care about me and God doesn't know about me. No, Peter's saying, give him all your anxieties. God knows what's going on. He cares about you. And notice something. Give him the anxieties because he cares about you. God already knows our anxieties. The question is, are we willing to give him our anxieties? You know, there was another case of a, of a, there was happened to be another woman. I was thinking about this. I don't know why when, when it came to God's time, it was all about childbirth in my mind. I was talking to my wife, but I had a different patient who her and her husband were uh, married. They had a good life and they had great careers. And what they didn't have was a child, you know, and this lady, she was probably in her thirties at this point, And she had been using birth control her whole life because, you know, we're going to be on our time, right? So I'm going to have children when I say I have children. So she was using birth control and uh, now they're married. Now they're in their thirties and now was the time. Now they decided I'm going to have a child and now is the time to have a child. Okay, great. So they're planning in and she says, well, obviously I got to get off of birth control. Well, if anybody's ever been on birth control, you're going to know that you can't just stop birth control and get pregnant the next month. Usually it takes the body about six months to a year to, uh, to adjust or to even understand, oh, I'm supposed to get pregnant. You, you know, birth control does something to the body. It puts it on a long pause. And all of a sudden, besides the side effects that you that you gotta be careful for, you know, blood clots and things like that. Um, but all of a sudden you stop the birth control and you want to have the, the that child now. i plan planning to have a child tell me stop the birth control, I'm gonna have it now. Well, lo and behold, it doesn't work that way. So you stop the birth control and they're trying and nothing's happening. They can't get pregnant, they can't get pregnant, they can't get pregnant, and all of a sudden, There's a rift in the relationship. It starts causing anxieties. It starts causing frustrations. It starts causing the blame game, as we say. So her husband did start saying, well, gosh, why were you taking birth control all this time? And she's kind of thinking, well, I think that you kind of benefited from me taking birth control, right? Because we could be intimate all we wanted and not have to worry about the consequence of a child during that time. We didn't have to worry about the responsibility of a child. So it started going back and forth. Well, you were taking birth control. Well, you benefited. Well, you know, why are we, why do you want to have a child now so badly? Well, don't we want to have a child? All these different questions came up because all of a sudden we were in a position where we thought it was supposed to happen. You know, it's not happening on my time. And now all of a sudden there's a, there's a problem, right? This was supposed to happen on my time. This was supposed to happen when I wanted it. So lo and behold, you know, a year goes by, there's nothing going on. Two years go by, no child, the relationship's getting more and more strained. So what happens at this point? You know, they are Catholic, um, but they start thinking, gosh, we can't have a child naturally the way that God intended. We might have to look at, uh, IVF, you know? If anybody knows, doesn't know what IVF is, it's in vitro fertilization. It can be very, very, very daunting because what happens in IVF? So all of a sudden we go in and we take some eggs from the mom. We take some semen from the man and we start doing it in vitro, which means in a Petri dish or in a test tube, we start to mix it so that we can create life. Well, what happens in IVF? What is it that we're doing? Well, are you just going to take one egg? Well, if this has been hard. You, you know that the doctor's not going to just take one egg. He's going to say, we got to do this. Um, we're going to take a few eggs and we're going to fertilize a few because we've got to make sure that something takes, right? Don't you want to have a baby? Then we got to make sure of this. Uh, we're, we're going to make sure. Of this. Well, sure. Then we're going to implant a few. And then what's going to happen then? Well, and then what's going to happen is, uh, hopefully you get pregnant. Well, hang on a second. You said you're going to implant a few, like how many are you going to implant? Well, that's up to you. I mean, do you want us to put three, four five? The more we do, the the better chances of you getting pregnant. We don't know if they're all going to take. Right, because nature—we're we, still battling nature here, and I say battling. Right? It's um, so okay. So then, what happens? Let's say that you you put five fertilized eggs in there. Now, human beings, right? Now, now babies uh, in in immediate conception form, um, and you put them in. And then, what's going to happen? Well, gosh, if all five of them take, um, we don't recommend you have five babies at one time. That could be very dangerous. That's a lot of babies in the womb. Yeah. So, what? Then what? Well, then what we do is we call, uh, what we call a reduction. So if anybody doesn't know what a reduction is, a reduction means that you're going to abort however many babies you want. Now we're really playing God here, right? So you've had this in vitro fertilization, you implant the babies and now all of a sudden you're going to decide how many of those babies are going to live or die. And you're going to decide, gosh, you know, maybe I can handle twins at the most. Yeah. You got to get rid of three of them. Well, that's only because we implanted five too. Let's not forget. We don't know how many eggs we took out that we decided to fertilize, but maybe we took 10 eggs out or something and we fertilized ten, but we implanted five. What happened to the other five? Yeah. You know, there's a few things you can do with them. You can sell them, you know, you can throw them down the sink. You can, they're, they're your kids, whatever, whatever you want to do. Do you see the slippery slope that we're going down from the start of, I want to have a baby now? Yes, we have the technology to do it, but that means, does that mean that we should do it? That can be very, very challenging, right? Because we start wanting to have a baby. We we want something good. It's wonderful to have a baby. Every child's a gift from God, but all of a sudden, if we're going down this road or we're starting to do IVF or we're starting to do these different things, um, why is that a problem? Because now I want my will. I don't want God's will. I want my will. And what do we see happening when I strictly want my will and no no God involved, no will of God involved? Because now at this point, I gotta have this baby. We start to see destruction, destruction of life, right? Because the technology is great to have a baby, um, but it doesn't come without death. It doesn't come without at the price of other children uh, that we're gonna that we're gonna get rid of. So this couple uh, that wanted this IVF, they're gonna go and do this IVF, and uh, they decided that they were gonna go through with it. More when we come back from the break, man, gotta finish the story for you. More when we come back from the break on what happened. Um, as they're going through trying to have this baby and uh, trying to do it on their own time. And in the meantime, uh, when we come back from the break, we're also gonna talk about what does it mean to be on God's time for us in our own mental health. All right, welcome back to Dr. Louis Sandoval show here on Virgin Most Powerful Radio. Uh, Today, we are talking about God's time and doing things on God's time. Listen to this verse from Philippians 4, uh, chapter 4, verse 6. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving... Let your request be made known to God. You know that's the important part. I, I love this verse because you know sometimes it sounds simple, and you see them on journals or you see them on calendars, and you read them, and you're like, oh, that's really nice. But sometimes we never take a step back to think about what does this really mean. You know, in our in our lives, we hear these you know great little uh, memes out there, or great little sayings, and we're like, oh, that was cool. But all of a sudden we look at this one and we say, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. That's important right there. We're going to come back to that. Let me come back to that uh, verse after we finish this story. So before the break, we were talking about uh, a couple, well, there was a, a patient I had and her and her husband, I never met the husband, but her and her husband were trying to conceive and they could not. And they decided to go the IVF route. And all of a sudden they were going to the clinic and the doctor tells her, you know, as they're about to start this IVF, they're going to be in charge. They're going to be in control, right? They're going to do the IVF and they're going to have this baby by golly. And I don't blame them in the sense of wanting to have a baby. I don't blame anybody for wanting to have a baby. It's beautiful to have children. Um, They change your lives forever. Not always for the better in the way we think, um, because all of a sudden my schedule's off. It's not about me anymore. I can't go and get all my toys and, and spend all my time doing what I want. Now all of a sudden my whole focus is on these kids, Um, we imagine, you know, some, I would say it's Catholic parents and the whole focus is on the kids. I can't say that for all parents, but when it's like that, it changes your life. It changes your whole life to have children. And when you look at it and if another couple tells you, gosh, you know, it looks like a whole lot of work. I don't think I'll ever have kids. I don't know any parent who doesn't love their kids and their spouse and is trying to build a family who doesn't say, are you kidding me? You got to have kids. It's the best thing in the world yeah, but you're miserable. You're telling me you can't get out. You can't go anywhere. You have to be home. You have to help them with homework. You have to do, yeah, but boy, man, you don't understand the joy of that pain, right? You know, so I don't blame this couple for wanting to have a kid. I don't, I don't blame them at all. Well, anyway, they go to the clinic and lo and behold, um, they can't do it. The doctor tells them, you know, it's not going to work based on, I don't recall what it was. It was the, whatever the details of the fertility clinic that they went to or the doctor, whatever he found, uh, based on her hormones, based on the way that, uh, the eggs were something or other. Um, the bottom line I just remembered was that she said she was very, very distraught, very sad, very anxious, very, just not feeling good at all. And she said, I feel like a failure. I feel like I ruined my life for being on birth control. I feel like we're probably going to get a divorce because this has been so hard on us. And, you know, we're really trying to do this, but the doctor told us we couldn't do it and told us that, you know, it, it's just not going to happen for us. And so we wondered, are we even together as a family? What does this mean for us? Um, and that was it. They, they, they didn't do it. They, they couldn't go through the treatment. And she said, you know, on the one hand, he was happy because they saved a lot of money. Those are expensive, expensive treatments. Um, but they couldn't do it. And there was a sadness for her. There was a sadness for her, a huge loss, um, and a lot of self-blame, you know, a lot, a lot of that blaming going back and forth between the couple. Well, eventually, you know, they decided they're going to stay married and they were just not going to, obviously they weren't going to think about it anymore. Their, their hopes had been dashed. Uh, and they weren't going to think about going to fertility clinics. They weren't going to think about having a baby anymore, anything along those lines. It was over. And she was really, really distraught. I was her tre- tre- for the anxiety a few, you know, some months went by and she was starting to get a little bit better, just going about life. And she started having this outlook on life where they said, well, they're going to stay together because they are married. They are a Catholic marriage. Um, and they're going to just live life together. And, and, and that was it, you know, and they're always going to be, uh, uh, feeling a little bit down, a little bit sad that, um, that they couldn't have a baby. And, and she was always going to be in the self blame mode. Um, which could be very challenging until, until one day she came to the clinic and she said, uh, Dr. Sandoval, we got to talk about my medication. And I thought, "Whoa, whoa, 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 what's going on? You know, it seems like you're doing okay. What's going on with your medication? Do we need to move it around? Do we need to change it? What do you mean when you talk about your medication? And she says, no, uh, it turns out I'm pregnant. I said, Wow. So of course we looked at the list of medications and we wanted to make sure that she wasn't on anything that was going to hinder the pregnancy or be dangerous for the baby. And you know, it was okay. Everything she was on, she could stay on. I think we removed one medication, uh, which was no big deal actually for her at that point. Um, but I was like, wait a minute, what happened? So I thought you said that fertility clinic said, no, I thought you said that this, this just could not happen. And she said, you know, and literally this is what she said. She said, by the grace of God she said, I, there's no way I, I have no idea what happened. Um, you know, the, the fertility clinic guy told us that we couldn't even get pregnant. Um, after all that birth control that I was on, I thought I ruined my body and it's just not going to happen. And all I started doing was just asking God for forgiveness for, uh, having done anything that might've offended him and we started kind of just going to church and, and just kind of living life and, and living life with my husband. And lo and behold, next thing I know, I thought there was something wrong with me, something wrong with my body. I went back to the doctor because, you know, I wasn't getting uh, my, my monthly cycle. It wasn't happening and I didn't understand what was going on. And I thought maybe I'm headed into menopause or something because she was in her in her 30s at this point, you know, her getting into her later 30s. Now, it's a little early for menopause, but, you know, the body can, can change in different ways. But lo and behold, there it was. Lo and behold, God God answered her prayers on his time, on his time. And looking back, she said you know, I kept wanting to have this baby and I think I wanted to have the baby more than anything else is to save our relationship. We were already kind of on the, on the brinks. We were kind of not doing well. Uh, and I thought that an addition of a baby might, um, bring something to the relationship where we were going to be closer. Uh, and I was really trying to do that. And yeah, we almost got to the point of divorce because of this, because of everything we went through. And then afterwards we just kind of decided to, to stay together. And lo and behold, now I'm pregnant. It would have been a terrible time before, she said, Dr. Sandoval, had I gotten pregnant because I think it would have been an added stress to the relationship, and we might have actually gotten divorced at that time. She said, but you know, as time went on, we settled down. Things settled down on my husband's job. I've been doing okay overall, and then all of a sudden, we kept pregnant. I hear this over and over and all the time, and really, if nothing, if nothing else, it really speaks to me about God's time. We create a lot of anxiety in our lives trying to do things our way. Um, and God seems to know best. God seemed to know when they needed that baby. Maybe it was God telling them, you can't get pregnant now. Maybe it had nothing to do with your birth control. You know, we start blaming ourselves for things and God's like, you don't even think the way I think God's probably like, I've already forgiven you for whatever you've done. So it has nothing to do with that. It has nothing to do with the birth control. I was just telling your body to hold off because I wanted your relationship to work. In fact, you needed to work on things on your relationship because if I'm going to give you a baby, I want you both to be good parents. I want you to be present for that baby. I want you to not focus on your own issues, your own frustrations, your own struggles. I don't want the baby to come into a stressful relationship. I want you to be in a good place because in order to be a parent, the baby's not just some kind of toy to say, hey, this is going to fix our relationship. It's another person. You're actually taking the responsibility of another human being, another person with feelings and thoughts and ideas. And I want you to be present for them so that they can grow to be a happy parent themselves someday or whatever God's vocation is leading them to. That's where God's time comes in. Let's look at this verse again. So I had read it before. It was Philippians 6, excuse me, chapter 4, verse 6. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. I like this, and let's break it down a little bit. The first part I like, do not be anxious about anything. I think that this is where a lot of anxiety in today's world comes from. You know, a lot of anxiety comes from, I want to do it my way. I've forgotten about God, and I've forgotten about letting God do it his way. And so what am I going to get? I'm going to get anxious because things aren't clicking. We got to work with God. We got to let God take over. We got to let God give us his time. We got to let God, let God give us our time and we got to trust in God. Now the next part is, so do not be anxious about anything like Padre Pio. He always says, pray, hope, and don't worry. All right. That's true faith. That's, that's, uh, hopefully someday, you know, that reach that level of humility that our lady had, you know, what a great example to say. I have no idea what's going on here, God, but I'm going to take this step for you. Okay. That's the first thing. It says, but in everything by prayer and and supplication with thanksgiving. So we know we got to pray, right? Something goes wrong. Oh my God, please help me out. We go to pray right away and we supplication is there. There's no question about that. With thanksgiving. I think that that's the hard part for us because at all times, God should be praised. Whether we're having a good something good happened to us, whether we're having bad, some, having something bad happen to us, that Thanksgiving has to be there. We're, we should always be thanking God because that's what's rightfully owed to him. We should always be praising God because that's what's rightfully owed to him as well. We've got to praise and thanks God at all times, no matter what's happening to us. You know, if you could say, Dr. Samwell, even if, what if your enemy comes in and, and there's a big war and you're being tortured, I have to be praising God. That's what's owed to him. That's, there's nothing but But praise and thanksgiving owed to God, you can't give him anything else. When you start to understand the nature of God as a perfect being and who he is and the fact that he made us and gave us life, there is absolutely nothing but thanksgiving to be given to God no matter what. Now, am I going to be good about that if I were being tortured? I have no idea. I hope so. You know, I'm sure they're going to be doing prayer and supplication. That part's for sure. Am I going to be able to be thanking God like the saints who were sometimes being burned at the stake? I hope so. You know gosh that would be amazing I hope so and I hope that, that I have that in mind um but it says with that thanksgiving let your requests be made known to God you know I think it's rightful to to be thinking about this and to think about God's time especially uh next week I believe we're going to be celebrating uh thanksgiving right so a big big time to get together and we it's a food holiday at the end of the day right all it, we think about thanksgiving is oh what are you going to eat what's the spread going to be and we have our staples on that on that spread um, and we're going to hopefully get together with family and people say, uh, gosh, I don't want to get there because my uncle, I, can't, I haven't talked to him in years and I can't stand him or this person, oh, I can't stand, you know, family, it can be a stressful time. I think that this is where we can really say this should be God's time because if we're going to be doing Thanksgiving, I got to thank God with prayer and supplication and not be anxious about anything and just thank him that I even have a life that I even exist, that I, that I have the luxury to have annoying family members. If I have annoying family members. Because that means that I'm on this planet and I'm existing and I'm living. And that's really what it comes down to. You know, when it when it comes down to time, what am I doing in my time? Am I trying to live life the way God wants me to live it? Am I trying to uh, thank God for everything that's going on? Or am I so busy trying to follow my own will... During my time here on earth, one of the things that happens is when we do start getting things immediately, and when we do start saying, oh, I'm going to get this now, or I'm going to have a baby now, um, we start to fall into this trap that we think we're going to be here forever. You know, how many times do we buy something and we say, oh, that's perfect. That's going to last you forever. Oh, I want to have a home that I can live in forever. Well, we have this skewed concept of forever because we are not in forever. We are in time. And hopefully during the time that we are here, we can use it in such a way that we do prepare for forever. Um, you know, at the end of the day, when it comes down to it, I hope to get better at letting God run run my life and and, and make sure that he is in charge of my life um, and that I can be in thanksgiving for him. Um, it, it's the hardest thing to do sometimes, but I can guarantee you that if we start thinking that way, we're going to start living that way so that we can be that way. Keep a Catholic, think Catholic, live Catholic, be Catholic always a reminder, please pray for us here at Virgin Most Powerful Radio as we pray for you. Thank you for all of your gift donations. And as always, we will see you here next week at the clinic on the Dr. Luis Sandoval Show.